You're listening to the Hamilton Today podcast from 900 CHML. Let's bring in Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University. Lots to talk about in regard to uh, world politics and such. Elliot, thank you for the time. I hope you're well. Oh, thank you, Scott. It's always good to chat with you. So your thoughts, uh, and, and, you know, I've got so many things here, I'll probably not even end up talking to you about what we were supposed to talk about. But I wanted to ask you your opinion on uh, President of Ukraine and China speaking uh, the other day and, and how this fits in, especially with China trying to position itself as not really being a friend of Russia, but yet supporting them. What do you think happened during this phone call? Well, among other things, it's way overdue. There were rumors that this phone call uh, which was already delayed, would happen during or immediately after uh, <laughs> Xi Jinping's three-day visit uh, with Mr. Putin a while ago. And all the chatter was, well, then he'll have to be in touch with Zelensky, won't he? Because he says he's a, a mediator, he says he's neutral. But it's quite clear China is not a neutral in this uh, in this entire aggression, war of aggression by Mr. Putin. He is a strong backer. That's why he went there for three days. Now we have a way overdue conversation, finally. We, and again, we don't know who called whom. Did Mr. Zelensky call she or vice versa? But they've agreed to talk to each other. And they've agreed to talk to each other at a critical moment because there's a thought that there's about to be a counteroffensive by Ukraine to finally in the spring, push back even more uh, the existence of the Russian aggression on temporarily occupied Ukraine, as they put it. So it was well worth uh, noting that it took place. The call went on for some time. But it looks as if Mr. Zelensky is doing what everybody else is doing, saying, China, you're the only one that has real influence over Russia. Why don't you do something to help them get out of this by telling them to get out? And China is saying, well, we're here to be neutral, meaning we would think you should sit down, negotiate with Mr. Putin, leave his occupying troops there, give up Crimea and sign a deal. That seems to be what the nature of the conversation was. Uh, so, in other words, less about a peace plan or a way out and more of just do what give Putin what he wants and this will all be over. Well, that's what China's view of a peace plan is. <laughs> they, yeah. they put out a 12-point plan. We I perhaps talked about it uh, at the time. Mm. Uh, and it starts out, point number one, um, states should not use uh, force, <laughs> should not cross into other states um, and infringe on their sovereignty. Territorial sovereignty is sacrosanct. And, of course, that's <laughs> given where they are, that's uh, rather uh, a non-starter. They basically didn't say anything at all in that about Russia and Russia uh, having responsibility and therefore should withdrawing. They uh, did have some very interesting points in that 12-point plan that could be considered in a different environment. And if China got serious about being a mediator and a peacemaker, rather than being clearly a pro-Putin, a pro-Moscow ally, and it's a war, war of aggression against Ukraine. So, and correct me if I'm wrong here, China likes this instability. They just don't want it to get out of hand and ruin things for them. Is that accurate? Well, what they like, uh, we aren't sure if they like the instability. Their entire foreign policy is predicated upon harmony. We need global harmony. Uh, we need global peace. And that's why we, as an emerging power, always stand on the side of peace. But clearly, they they don't. Uh, the three-day meeting that we just talked about ended with 
And again, we aren't sure if this was a hot mic or whether it was an intended quote, but Xi Jinping saying to Mr. Putin, this is a 100-year opportunity to change geopolitics, and we are driving it, uh, he said approvingly. So this, this is an attempt to reorder the geopolitical scene in favor of autocracies, uh, primarily Russia and China. China will be backstopping Russia, although not in a way that they can be accused of fomenting war. They will not provide demonstrably um, provable lethal assistance, but they are clearly providing the diplomatic cover and the economic support Mr. Putin needs. So this is, this is, a, this is a war to change geopolitics in favor of new powers setting the rules instead of the existing powers setting the rules, and that's not a world where Canada or any other democracy would prosper. So what if Russia loses? <laughs> what what if at the end of the day um, Ukraine takes back what was theirs, uh, or are they just assuming that's not going to happen? The uh, I've been saying right from day one that China's the big winner in all of this because uh, everybody was gearing up to deal with China and emergent China. Their reckless activities in the South China Sea and most importantly about Taiwan when suddenly. Putin took the heat off and drew world attention directly onto China. But after a year went by, the, you know, so he was a winner in that sense. China, Xi Jinping's China. I, I don't want to say China, but the regime in China that currently is in charge of the country was a clear yeah. winner in all this. Now, and, and then they got cheap gas and oil um, from Russia as a, as a byproduct of it. And they tied up the West. The West was all preoccupied. Now they're saying, um, well, if... And this is this is not the statement, but it's clearly in their intention. If Russia really comes out on the losing end of that, they still win because Russia will be reduced even more to a, a vassal state, an energy producing vassal state for China. And nobody's talking about this very much, but the empty spaces, more or less empty spaces, underpopulated spaces just to the north of China, some of which were taken away in what China considers to be unequal treaties, you know, the great national rejuvenation, the great Mm. hundred years of humiliation, that's over. We are standing strong now, and we are going to lead the world by 2049. Uh, Russia would stand to be a clear loser if China decides to exert its influence in what Russia considers the Russian Federation or the former uh, Soviet Union. So China is doing well by this war, no matter what. Last question here. Um, uh, as far as an uh, interesting article in the Globe and Mail, Russia, Russians asking, uh, why are we fighting? Why is this happening? Is there, are we, and we talked about this a lot, but is there starting to be re- repercussions in Russia as to why we're doing this, why they're doing this? Well, it's the, re- it's the repression rather than repercussions that uh, should be our focus. The repression is successful. They have... Uh, we talked, I think, recently about uh, Mr. Navalny and uh, Kara Mirza. So we, the capacity to repress and to misinform the, the public is still at full strength in Russia. Mr. Putin controls all the channels of communication. But, of course, there is grumbling. Uh, you can't keep the kind of atrocities that he's committing there, uh, particularly when there's a lot of body bags going back home into the Russian heartland, not out of the remoter parts of the current Russian Federation. So it's no, no surprise that there's, um, there's grumbling, but there's no sign that this regime, the Putin regime, is going to crack in the near future. Hmm. 
Elliot Tepper, Emeritus Professor of Political Science, Carleton University, the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine and China's position on it. Elliot, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Same to you, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Hamilton Today podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com.